And I'm Scott. And we are Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to week three of the podcast. This was going to be the week that we kept it really short because Janine and I have had a very busy weekend and now it's late Monday night and we're putting it together. But damn it, there's just a lot going on. So let's get to it. And now, Trump troubles around the globe. This story happened in the middle of the night the night before we were going to be recording our podcast, it wasn't even on the agenda. But in Trump's world, you have to be ready for whatever nonsense goes on in the middle of the night. So the Wall Street Journal reports that last night, Trump tweeted early Monday morning in all caps, Never ever threaten the United States again or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. This appeared to be in response to comments by Iranian President Hassan Rouhani saying, America should know that peace with Iran is a matter of the mother of, is the mother of all peace and war with Iran is the mother of all war. National Security Advisor John Bolton reiterated the president's warning, saying, quote, If Iran does anything at all to the negative, they will pay a price like few countries have ever paid before, unquote. Mike Pompeo castigated Iran's clerical leaders and called on other countries to join the U.S.'s campaign of pressure and sanctions against the Islamic Republic. Well, what a thing to wake up to this morning. This president, whose, I guess, idea of dealing with foreign powers is to tweet in all caps in the middle of the night, threatening responses. He's a bully. He's a schoolyard bully. Well, all I can say is, it is no way to wake up in the morning, and it is just exhausting uh, to have to uh, retweets. As a matter of fact, we were out with friends last night. We were out with... <laughs> and we were at the theater. And so one of our friends said, gee, we've been sitting here at the theater all night. I wonder if we still have a country. And we all laughed. <laughs> and and then sure in enough. the middle of the night, this is what is being uh, tweeted out. Don't let that stop you from going to the theater. <laughs> but be mindful. <laughs> you might not have a country when you're done. Oh, my God. Don't say that. And now for your Tweet of the Week. The Tweet of the Week comes from Eric Swalwell, a wonderful U.S. representative from the state of California who serves on the Select Committee on Intelligence and the Judiciary Committee. This week, in response to the ridiculous tweet from Trump about the NFL needing to stand up to players, Eric Swalwell said, quote, I'll tell you what, show the courage to stand up to Putin, and then you can tell others what they should stand for, unquote. Yes, Eric Swalwell. And now, what the hell is happening in the Russia investigation anyway? And now we're going to talk about the Trump-Putin summit. 
Before meeting with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, Trump said, quote, Well, I think we have a lot of foes. I think the European Union is a foe, what they do to us in trade. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. Russia is a foe in certain respects. China is a foe economically. Certainly they are a foe, but that doesn't mean they're bad, unquote. Notice that he doesn't, you know, uh, have any sort of softening remarks for the European Union the way right. he did for Russia and China. Right, of course. Then he went on to meet with Putin for two hours with no other Americans in the room other than the interpreter. John Brennan, who was a CIA director under Obama, spoke about impeachment after watching this debacle mm-hmm. and said, quote, Donald Trump's press conference... Per, um, in Helsinki, rises to and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. It was nothing short of treasonous, unquote. CBS News said Putin's denial of having been involved in the election, this is what Trump said, mm-hmm. was, quote, extremely strong and powerful. He then said he held both countries responsible. Oh, okay. Quote, I think the United States has been foolish. I think that we've all been foolish. We've both made mistakes, unquote. He then praised Putin for making an incredible offer to allow Mueller's team to be present for an interrogation and questioning of the Russians that were indicted. Putin also said he would expect Russia to reciprocate Apparently, that was referring to allowing Putin to question former ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, an outrage that was quickly shut down by even the Republicans. Trump went on to say he and Putin had, quote, a lot of good things to talk about, and I think we'll end up having an extraordinary relationship, unquote. He then took a soccer ball from Putin and said, The Russia investigation was a disaster for our country. He also blamed the FBI and asked, what happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? Senator Jeff Flake, a Republican from Arizona, called the press conference shameful, adding that he never thought he'd see a day when the President of the United States would stand on the stage with the Russian president and place blame on the United States for Russian aggression. Senator Bob Mendez of New Jersey called the meeting, quote, disturbing, shameful, jaw-dropping, and disgraceful. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia called it a complete disgrace. So, Tuesday, after hearing some of this backlash, Trump then tried to backpedal saying this whole thing about he said would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia, um, and that it was sort of a double negative. That's total bullshit. It was the most ridiculous trying to backtrack I've ever seen. The New York Times then reported Trump was... uh, given classified information on January 6, 2017, that said that Putin personally ordered the cyber attacks to sway the election. So he knew. 
He knew all this time he's been calling witch hunt, uh, you know, bunch of nonsense. He's known. All along. All along. That not only did Russia interfere, but that Putin had ordered it. Uh, Wednesday, he said he didn't believe that Russia was still targeting the U.S. But then Sarah Huckabee Sanders said he he maybe um, didn't believe that Russia was trying to target the U.S. He said he didn't believe. This is so confusing. Uh, Who can even keep it straight? He did think they were attacking. Just give him he a little time. He'll think. he'll back. He'll double back and. I and mean, it really was a foolish. He says one thing. He didn't think they were going to target us. And then I think she said, "Well, th- he wasn't sure they were going to target well, context us." Context is subjective. Oh my God! So then he announces in the middle of an interview that Dan Coates was giving to Andrea Andrea Mitchell that. He had invited Putin to come to the White House in the fall. So it was a real back and forth, back and forth of nonsense. This whole inviting Putin to to Washington in the fall was clearly just his desperate attempt to, off the cuff, come up with any one-up. It's just one-upmanship. I think it was just his way of giving us all the finger. Like, you know what? Screw you. I'm inviting Putin. And regardless of if he's supposed to be attacking our elections in the fall, I mean, I don't know if he's is Putin coming before the election or after the election when they can celebrate their... their... Well, it wouldn't surprise me if Putin happened to be here uh, during uh, up on the bandstand at Trump's side during the parade, the $12 million parade. Parade. You mean the parade that is going to cost $12 million and then, oops, we have no money to give health care to our veterans. Right. And then, you know, tear up, not to mention tearing up the main street of the nation's capital. And... Well, that parade is a debacle that should not be happening. Anyway, that was the summit. I forgot to add that the latest thing that Trump has said about the whole Russian uh, interference is now he's back to calling it a big hoax. What a piece of work. Hey, Janine, guess what? What? Even in this age of Trump, I've got some good news. What's that? Good news for us and our hundreds of thousands of listeners who, (laughs) like us, still have all five, seven, or however many seasons of The Americans to watch. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because we are living The Americans. Mm. Ever since Maria Bettina was arrested last week for being a Russian spy, the episodes have been writing themselves. This story already has sex, lies, and guns. There's no need for videotape. Now, if you don't know... Maria is a 29-year-old Russian girl who, in my humble opinion, is not quite in the same league as Carrie Russell, but who is nonetheless arguably a babe, which wouldn't even really be an issue, except that she uses all of her assets to cozy up to influential Republicans, including one referred to by the government as U.S. person number one. And I was going to give her some credit for not being just a looker, but having some brains. But apparently I learned that she also used U.S. person number one to help her get a 4.0 at American University, uh, her master's degree, by doing her homework for her. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
But even before U.S. person number one, who, by the way, is thought to be Republican operative Paul Erickson, and gossip alert here, she didn't even like him that much. At least in the many, many documents seized by the FBI, she complains of having to maintain their relationship. Mm. But even before him, going back to 2015, she was popping up all over the country at these key Republican events, cozying up to various conservative influencers. But the best was, most recently, how she managed to curry favor with the NRA, posing as this big advocate for the Russian right to bear arms movement. <laughs> and this is where the story veers from the Americans to the Ali G show, because <laughs> there is no gun rights movement no. in Russia. And she totally punked that outfit right up to Wayne La Effing Pierre. And you know she did, because right after her arrest, as in like the next day, what do you think happened, Janine? I don't know. Well, I think you do, because it's your story. That's right. And now, domestic Trump troubles. This is from CNN. The NRA and some other nonprofit organizations will no longer need to identify their donors to the IRS. Critics say the rules could make it easier for politically active nonprofits to conceal foreign contributions which are not allowed under election laws. Imagine this. Just imagine this. On the heels of this Russian spy being arrested. Imagine the coincidence. It's a remarkable coincidence. Robert McGuire, political nonprofit investigator for the Center for Responsible Politics, said, This rule change allows dark money to flex its political muscle through anonymous donations. It's a boon to anyone who wants to spend large amounts of money on politics without any accountability. Just what we need right now, isn't it? it and it just, once again, reinforces um, Citizens United. Yes. Citizens which is, United, which you like to bring up, which is the bane of our... It is the bane of our existence. It is the bane of our existence, which basically says... No limits. Right. Corporations are people, but corporations are people with tons and tons, shitloads of money who drown out the voice of normal people like you and me. That's right. This next story is from the Washington Post. The House GOP refuses to renew election security funding as Democrats fume over Russian interference. House Republicans voted down a Democratic effort to increase election security spending as Democrats accused the GOP of refusing to stand up to Russian interference in the U.S. elections. Representative Mike Quigley, a Democrat from Illinois, said, quote, Now is the time to double down on our efforts to prevent election hacking, unquote. Republicans claimed that states still have plenty of grant money left to spend from the $380 million allocation. Representative Jim Jordan said, quote, I know what we need for safe and secure elections, and that's voter ID, oh. unquote. Matt Dietrich, Public Information Office at the Illinois State Board of Elections, said the money will not stretch to help local election authorities replace voting systems used at polling places 
on election day. Uh, this is also in connection with the story in the New York Times, which reported back in May that the White House eliminated the position of cybersecurity coordinator at the National Security Council, doing away with the post central to developing policy to defend against increasingly sophisticated digital attacks and the use of offensive cyber weapons. Cybersecurity experts and members of Congress said they were mystified by the move. Virginia, Virginia Senator Mark Warner said, quote, I don't see how getting rid of the top cyber official in the White House does anything to make our country safer from cyber threats, unquote. Now, what is the meaning of this? I think for this midterm election, we have got to figure out a way to have paper ballots across the country. I, I don't see how there's any other way, frankly, at this point in time to feel secure about the election. Right. And the fact of the matter is people don't know. People don't know that they live in states where there's no paper trail for their for the votes. That, well, you know, that might be something that people have got to find out about. What is going on in your state what is being done to protect the elections in your state? Another action item. Another action item. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, is scheduled to go on trial Wednesday. Oh, now that's been rescheduled. He should be starting his trial next Monday on allegations of bank fraud, tax evasion, and conspiracy. In the first courtroom showdown over charges brought by special counsel Mueller. Mueller's team has amassed so much evidence it could take more than a week to present their case. Bring it on. I work in the land of foreign currency payments. Last week, the president tweeted and then opened his mouth and sent ripples throughout the currency markets by expressing dissatisfaction with higher interest rates and a strong dollar. Well, first, this breaks with a long-standing tradition of presidential silence on matters of monetary policy and the dollar's strength. It's not the first time, and most definitely won't be the last time, that he breaks with presidential traditions. Of course, this time he tried to give himself some cover in an interview with CNBC, where he said, quote, I'm not happy about it, but at the same time, I'm letting them do what they feel is best, unquote. But he's really not. He's setting them up to alter their behavior to avoid the perception of responding to political pressure, and worse, he's planning the idea that monetary policy is politicized and in the long run, that could undermine confidence in the economy, which could cause bond prices and stock prices to fall. Serious consequences. And he does this time and time again. He says something to support a policy or a program, but his actions simultaneously and effectively undercut the same. His supporters will refer back to his comments, but it's his actions that count. In his own defense, Trump further told CNBC, quote, now, I'm just saying the same thing that I would have said as a private citizen, unquote. Well, guess what, dumbass? Now you're the president, which means what you say influences the market. Granted, he's not setting policy with his tweets and comments, officially, but they have consequences. And his continuous dispensing of presidential norms and protocols erode the stability of everything those norms and protocols are designed to reinforce. This is how he operates, over and over, with Russia, the environment, immigration, you name it. And now for your action of the week. This week's action of the week 
is one that we are going to talk about this week, and then we are going to mention again and again and again, because we have to make sure that you are registered to vote, and if you are registered to vote, you need to ask everyone in every circle that you belong in if they are registered to vote. And it's easy, and you can go to vote.org on your phone or your iPad. And in the state of Virginia and in the state of Maryland, you can do it right on your phone, right on your iPad. And you need to be registered 21 days before the election in Maryland and in Virginia. Uh, Also, the other thing that's very important in this election where there may be hacking and other shenanigans, we have got to confirm that you are registered to vote. You can go to usa.gov slash register to vote to check on the status of your registration. If for some reason you show up at the polls and they can't find your information and you know you're registered to vote and you've confirmed that you're registered to vote, you may cast a provisional ballot at that time. But it's really important that we are registered, that we register everyone who we know, and that we make sure uh, that all is well with our uh, status. Thanks a lot! And now, for your inspirational quote of the week. This week, we had the pleasure of hearing from a real president. And so, this week's quote is from our wonderful President Obama, who gave a speech in South Africa. Thank you, President Obama. So, young people who are in the audience, who are listening. My message to you is simple. Keep believing. Keep marching. Keep building. Keep raising your voice. Every generation has the opportunity to remake the world. Mandela said, young people are capable when aroused of bringing down the towers of oppression and raising the banners of freedom. Now's a good time to be aroused. Now's a good time to be fired up. And for those of us who care about the legacy that we honor here today, about equality and dignity and democracy and solidarity and kindness, Those of us who remain young at heart, if not in body, we have an obligation to help our youth succeed. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week and tell all your left-leaning but not very active friends about us. This has been a Common Production.